I wanted to do some good in the world. I wanted to do something that I really cared about and that I was really passionate about. You're listening to the Working Progress Podcast, and we are your hosts, Dana and Angela. We believe your work and career should evolve with you, and it is therefore always a work in progress. In this podcast, you will hear stories of people who turn their careers from something that no longer serves them into something that complement who they are and their life goals. The way I like to think about it is that their careers are growing and stretching just like they are. Our goal is to inspire you to get out there and to make the changes you want for yourself and your future self. Let's get started. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Working Progress Podcast. Um, today, we're talking to the founders of Sam and Lance, and we have Alora here with us today. We are actually introduced by a common friend, Amanda, and you've already heard her story a few episodes ago. So we are really excited to have Sam here today to tell us about their career change. And they have previously had many different careers, uh, Laura and Veronica, their sisters. And we're really excited to have them tell us about uh, their career changes, but also tell us about how how these two sisters work together. And um, we're really excited for you to learn more about her business as well. So without further ado, um, this is Laura. And I think before we get into all the questions on the career changes, I was wondering if Alora would like to introduce herself a little bit to us and maybe tell us about what she did in the past and we'll take it from there. Yeah. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here. This is Laura. Unfortunately, my sister Veronica um, couldn't be on the call today as she's in Singapore and 13 hours ahead. So she is sleeping right now. Um, so previously, um, I was a producer. Um, I worked mainly in advertising um, and then made a transition about a year ago um, to become a full-time entrepreneur and start Salmon Lance which is a online marketplace of curated goods that are all created by women and are all uh, sustainable or eco-friendly. Yeah. So I was actually on your uh, website, browsed a little bit, and I really, really appreciate the fact that you can um, sort through the, the products and then you can sort through them by values. That was really new to me. I've never really seen that on um, on a website before. Maybe it's more common with the um, you know websites that try to sell like eco-friendly and things like that, like with really uh, interesting ethos these days. But there's like categories where you can sort through, you know, like zero waste, so which is interesting and really popular these days. And um, obviously the eco-friendly and yeah, I just really think that it's a really, it's a really cool concept. Um, so you said that before starting, starting this company with your sister about a year ago, you were in production in, in advertisement. Um, is that correct? Yeah. So um, my uh-huh. undergraduate degree um, was at the University of Guelph, which, which is about an hour away from Toronto. And there I minored in fine arts and marketing. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do after that. So when I graduated, I found myself working for a digital design and production company. And that's where I learned um, basically how to be a digital producer and work on different uh, websites or apps or everything within the digital space for, um, you know, advertising, sorry, ad agencies or for brands. Um, And then I left that career or that job in about around 2014, and I decided to travel the world. Um, So I got rid of my apartment, all my belongings, um, quit my job and traveled around the world for about nine months. So that was, um, you know, one of my passions is just traveling. And there, you know, it kind of plays into the whole story of Salmon Lance is when you when you travel, one of my favorite things is to go to marketplaces and local, um, you know, shops and artisans and finding all these, um, you know, beautiful products from around the world. Um, and that's one of my favorite things to do and to support local communities. And a lot of these artisans are actually women. So that kind of will lend itself to the, the story of Sam and Lance. Um, but when I returned from traveling the world, I got right back into production. Um, I started working with Um, a colleague of mine, and, um, you know, we freelanced with, same thing, different ad agencies as well as brands, and um, started doing integrated production, which involves um, commercials, um, same thing, digital, as I was doing before, 
radio, you know, all different types of uh, advertising. And I did that um, till about 2018. And when you say production in digital, could you give some more ex- examples? Yeah. So um, a producer is someone who basically manages the entire project. Um, so we would take everything from concept to completion. We would put together the right team. So let's say a client would come to us and they would want to um, create a, a website and then also an app and then also an experience that would all go together for, for one um, type of promotional idea that they had. Then we would put together the team um, that would make sense to create and run all of that and see all of that through while maintaining um, everything that goes along with it. So, um, you know, whether that was, um, like I said, a website, an app, um, online banners, uh, and everything in between. Wow, I see. That's a very useful um, skill set to have, I would say, in in this day and age. Yeah, I think that was what was really interesting about um, that job and what it taught me was just kind of how to figure anything out. Uh, So a lot of times clients would come to us with, um, you know, crazy ideas, whether they said we want to hang a car from the top of the CN Tower or we want to get custom bikes made um, in Africa. We would basically have to figure out how to get that done without knowing or ever doing this process before. Um, So it really taught me how to, um, you know, create something no matter what it was, whether I had done that before or not. At what point did you, did the idea of starting Samalance really come to you and why was that? Yeah. So in, in 2016, in between, um, you know, working as a producer, I decided to do my MBA um, so I did an accelerated MBA at the Paris School of Business, which is in Paris, France. So it was only a year-long program. Uh, so I went over and did that for a year while still working as a producer remotely in Toronto. So it was long, long days. Um, and I knew that I wanted to do something, something bigger, something on my own and become an entrepreneur. So I didn't really have the idea while I was doing my master's. But then about a year later, um, in 2017, I kind of was was playing around with the idea. I wrote a business plan while on vacation because I guess that's what everyone does when they're on vacation. <laughs> um, and then I forgot about it for, for about a year and then came back to it around 2019 last year. So how many years were you in the previous industry before you started? Uh, six years, I'd say. Did you have a burning desire to switch or... Um... Was it just kind of like a slow progression? Yeah. So some or a lot of people, they have um, their side hustle and they have something that they're passionate about um, that they're working on while they have a full-time job. And then it starts growing and it becomes really successful. And then they make the transition from their full-time job to, um, you know, this this passion that they have and this side project that is now becoming fruitful. I kind of did it the opposite way, which um, was a little bit of a struggle. So I decided to uh, leave my full-time job in September of 2018. Um, I had just gotten out of a you know toxic relationship and I wanted to do something bigger. I was kind of done with, um, you know, making websites for, um, you know, advertisers or for, for companies that, you know, we're just concerned about making money. Um, I wanted to do some good in the world and wanted to do something that I really cared about and that I was really passionate about. So it was a, it was a really tough decision to, to leave and leave a really, uh, you know, amazing job with great benefits, great pay to kind of just do some soul searching and figure out what's next. So from 2018, um, for about six months, I was just, you know, doing some soul searching, looking around and, and figuring out what would be a good fit. I did go to a lot of um, job interviews kind of in the same space that I was in before, but nothing appealed to me. I didn't want to do a nine to five. I didn't want to be working for a company that didn't have the ethos and the values that were really important to me. And then I came across that um, business plan that I had made in 2017. And I was like, well, this is, this is amazing. And this is something that I'm really passionate about. So then I decided to, to dive in and I started Sam and Lance and launched it officially in April, 2019 after about six months of just kind of figuring out what my next step would be and then moving into this. Wow. And, um, so you were, uh, did your sister join you back then? Yeah. So at the time she was actually, um, living and working in Singapore. She's been there for about three years now. Um, her and her husband live there and um, she was working for a subscription clothing company. 
Um, so, you know, it was just a monthly basis and she did all the operations and managed the, the warehouse for that company. Uh, so she was still working there when I officially started Salmon Lance. And then she quit um, that company and joined Salmon Lance full time. Uh, I think it was June or July of 2019, um, around the end of the summer there. So um, she joined just a few months later and yeah. um, has been working with me ever since. <laughs> Wow. I, I have to say, you guys are so brave, both of, both of you, that you quit your job and then you just go in. And she joined so, uh, pretty soon after you started as well. So that's really amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been um, definitely a journey, but yeah. um, an exciting one nonetheless. <laughs> I see. Yeah. And it hasn't even, That's so, so it's cool. been, yeah, it's, it's been a couple of months. Uh, you started in April and so it's, it's February right now. So almost yeah, a year, but in about a month, we'll be almost a year. <laughs> so in 2019, when you found your 2017 business plan, you read it again and you're like, Oh my gosh, this is actually what I want to do. Like exactly, you know, what I want to spend my time on. Did you read that again and then feel like, oh, certain things you would have changed or did you actually just start with the pl the version, I guess, that you wrote in 2017? So I started with that version and I just kind of went full steam ahead. Um, I actually pulled it up maybe a week ago and I hadn't looked at it in like a few years. Um, and when I was reading through, it was funny looking at some pages and being like, oh, wow, we're, we're right on track. And this is exactly what I had envisioned when I wrote this. Um, so many years ago. And then there's other pages where I'm like, nope, that, that didn't happen at all. That's not where we would go or that's not the right direction. So we kind of organically pivoted and didn't try to stick too rigidly to the framework that I had, um, you know, dreamed up of in, in 2017. Um, we started, or I started this company uh, with zero funding. So all of this was bootstrapped by myself as well as Veronica. So sometimes, you know, there's things that we wanted to do um, that the business plan had written, but just weren't feasible in terms of finances. So, you know, we pivoted and, and made shifts where it made sense. Um, mm -hmm. and I think that we did make the right decisions, um, going forward, but yeah, there was definitely some pages that are, were not what happened. And some pages were, um, right on track with, with where we are today. <laughs> mm -hmm. And when you first started you decided that, okay, this is what I'm going to do full time now. Did you immediately think that you would need somebody else to step in and help you as a co-founder or you thought maybe you could just do it for a little bit and see how it goes first. Um, I think that at the time I thought that it would grow a lot quicker than it did. So I think that when I first started it, I was just like, Oh yeah, I'm going to have a staff of 10 in about four months. <laughs> um, <laughs> thinking that that's how, how quickly things would grow, but, um, that wasn't the case. And, you know, again, without a lot of funding or a lot of, um, advertising dollars behind, um, the company, we, we grew a lot slower and more organically. So that's why, um, you know, it was helpful having, um, Veronica come join, but, yeah. um, now it's just basically the two of us and a few other, um, contractors as needed whenever we, um, bring someone else on, but, um, mm -hmm. it's basically just the two of us, uh, wearing all the hats. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so curious about like how that first conversation you had with her, how, how that all went down. Like, I can imagine like, you know, if for us, I, I think it's a lot easier of a conversation to have, Hey, I have an idea that we can do in our free time, you know, without any, like any sort of financial risk of any, any kind, because we're just doing these on site. Um, but for both of you guys, it sounded like, you know, you went very quickly from working for somebody else to all of a sudden working for yourself. And yeah, so how did that all went down? Like the first conversation when you had with Veronica, or maybe she was already aware of what you were doing and was already interested in joining you? Yeah, I think for both of us, it was more about, um, you know, a feeling and for our own sanity. For myself, I wanted to get out of advertising and do something with a purpose and something that I really cared about. Um, and that was the motivation behind my switch. Um, and then for Veronica, she wasn't enjoying um, her work at the company either um, mm -hmm. that she was at. So she was working crazy long hours and, um, you know, wasn't getting kind of the advancement that she wanted or the control and kind of um, change that she wanted to see made in this company that they weren't, mm -hmm. um, you know, interested in hearing her suggestions. So mm -hmm. for her to come and 
and join this and have have control and have autonomy and and really make changes and see changes happen so quickly because we're able to we're so lean that we're able to um, implement changes or try new things um, whenever we want. So for her, I think that was re- was really appealing as well was that she could mm-hmm. um, really make a difference, make an impact, um, work for some company that she cared about that she was able to um, you know see different changes made that she believed in, um, whereas mm-hmm. she wasn't really getting that before. So in terms of the, I guess, the first couple of months, the day-to-day uh, when you when you started Salmon Lance, would you say it's kind of similar to what you were doing before um, with the ad agency or was it totally different and you had to figure most things out on your own? Um, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, mm. I took a lot of the uh, structure and the way of doing things and kind of the production process, if you will. Mm. Um where you do the the research and kind of um, figure out uh, the next steps in your plan. Um, and I did that for every single aspect, whether it was a creation of the um, online store or um, doing our finances or, or anything like that, kind of going through that step-by-step um, ideation process uh, was what I used. But everything else was a complete learning curve. Uh, it was figuring out how to create an online store all myself, how to grow an Instagram following, how to do all of these things on my own without, um, you know, hiring someone to, to do it. So it was a lot of, uh, learning and growth at the beginning for sure. And now I think that we have a little bit more of a process in place and, um, defined roles and have, uh, a, a routine. Whereas before it was a lot of figuring out, trying out trial and error and, a lot of Googling. (laughs) Yeah. Google is our best friend. (laughs) It's very true. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned something that kind of caught my uh, attention. You said um, ideation process. What was that? Does that refer to something specific or you're just in general talking about just how you did, how you did things? Yeah. So it's more about just figuring out um, all the the possibilities, mapping out, um, you know, so let's say solution one, solution two, solution three, what that costs, what that looks like, what um, an alternative option could be, uh, what the timeline is, all of those things. And we would kind of do that for each um, each new step of our, of our company. And uh, how did you decide on, you know, sourcing? Where, where did you source your products from? Yeah, so um, we do a bunch of different um, sourcing methods. So one is online. So we'll um, look on Instagram. We'll look on Facebook. We'll get recommendations from our online community. Uh, We'll have people reach out to us online. Um, So a lot of our connections are made that way. Um, We source uh, some suppliers while we're traveling. Um, So like I mentioned before, when we're going to local markets, markets or, you know, different communities around the world. And then another one is local um, fair. So whether it's a one of a kind show, whether it's a, um, you know, pop-up shop that has um, local, you know, artisans, we go to those and really connect with people um, and find out about new products. That's one of our, um, you know, biggest things about Salmon Lands is that we want to bring these amazing products that we find and these amazing women um, artisans and, and bring their their products um, to the forefront and let other people and other consumers know about them. You know, they might not be able to have um, the reach just as one person, but by bringing them all together, we can help elevate them and get their, their products out to um, a wider variety of people. I'm curious, when you first launched, like your, you know, like MVP version of your website and your set of products, what were some of the products that were on the website when you first launched? Yeah. So actually, when we first, when I first was um, creating the site and, and sourcing suppliers, I had um, the idea that I wanted to launch everything by collections. I wanted to first have the collection of clothing, and then in a few months we would launch footwear um, and have all of that to make it exciting. But when we were first starting, it was hard to get um, suppliers on board because we weren't, you know, well known. We were um, kind of a risk for them because they're like, "Who is this <laughs> salmon land company?" <laughs> Um, so when we launched, we launched with a variety of products because it was basically whatever suppliers, um, that we vetted, that we aligned with, that were agreeing to come on our platform, um, were the ones that we launched with because we're like, okay, we just want to have products for people to, to shop at. 
um, mm-hmm. and weren't able to to launch in the the collection series that we had first um, hoped to launch with. So um, we had um, a pretty good selection at the beginning. We started with um, our swimwear supplier, Passion Fruit Beachwear. So that, they were one of our first suppliers that we had um, on our site. Um, we had a few other small clothing suppliers. Um, we had some accessories, um, Darza, uh, which is one of our suppliers that has started with us from the beginning. Um, they have hand embroidered goods that are all made by Palestinian women refugees. Um, mm-hmm. So they have some beautiful shoes and accessories and purses. Um, so they were one of our other uh, first suppliers. So we had um, some really great stories and some really great suppliers at the beginning, but it was much more wide ranging than we had thought, which was fine. And then, um, you know, I think we launched with maybe five or six suppliers. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, How long did it take for you to, you know, start the company and then launch your first set of products? How, how long was that? Um, that was around two months, I think from like about February to April of 2019 is when uh, we were really focused on the creation um, of our online store of sourcing our first suppliers. And, um, and I mean, we've been tweaking everything obviously ever since. So our first version of our site looked similar to what it is now, but of course we've gone through a lot more iterations and refining and um, streamlining what, even what our, our brand presence is. So it looks a lot different from what it was to what it is now, but um, it took around two months to to get all of that up and running. Mm, I see. And um, I really like how you're sticking with your ethos. Uh, why is this important? Yeah. So another reason that we started Say My Land is because this is something that I wanted but couldn't find. Um, I wanted mm. to shop for ethical products. I wanted to support women-run businesses, but there wasn't one place that I could go and just purchase everything like a ethical Amazon. And mm-hmm. so this is another reason that I created because it's something that I wanted. I mean, you can go and you can search and you can find local small shops and artisans and handmade goods. But I found that I was going from website to website, from fair to fair to different marketplace um, in order to to purchase all these products. And Um, It's really time consuming. So I wanted to create this space that other people um, could find a solution to to what I found that I was lacking. Um, I find that, especially right now, it's so important to support female-founded businesses, um, to share their stories, especially ones that have um, such a great cause behind them. One of our values, like you mentioned at the beginning, we have six different values that we categorize everything in. One of our values is purpose-driven. So it's um, our brands that really give back and really have a mission behind them. So like, for example, we have one brand, Kind Karma, which they're located in Toronto. They create beautiful jewelry pieces, but they're all handmade by homeless or transitioning youth um, in the city and really helping them get uh, a secondary or an income if they don't even have one. And um, therapeutic or making jewelry can be very therapeutic. So mm-hmm. things like that, where that really gives back to the community um, is so important to us. And we love supporting brands like this and giving them, um, you know, a wider platform to sell their goods on. Is it easy to find suppliers? Yes, it's actually um, quite an extensive process. I'd say right now, um, maybe like 30% or more of both mine and Veronica's time is spent in supplier sourcing, supplier uploading, um, supplier vetting, because um, we really want to make sure that we we find the right suppliers and that when people come to Samuel Lands, they know that this brand or whatever product is on there has been ethically made, that people are getting a fair wage, that we've checked out the product and can verify that it's good quality. Um, so all of that does take quite a while. Um, and yeah, in terms of finding them, like I mentioned before, we do online, we go um, to different fairs, we go to different marketplaces. Um, but yeah, it's really the vetting process and the uploading process that takes a long time, contacting people, really telling them about our story and creating those relationships, um, before we bring them on board and, and sell their products on our platform. And did you come up with the, like a particular set of criteria saying that, you know, in order for our same alliance to work with you, you have to meet X, Y, Z certain things. Yeah. So we have, um, our baseline criteria, which of course is, 
Um, you know, it needs to be ethically made. People need to be paid a fair wage. Um, but that's also why we created these six values. Uh, we didn't want to have, um, you know, criteria that said that everything on our um, platform needs to be fair trade because to get a fair trade certification doesn't make sense for a lot of companies, especially a lot of small companies. Um, mm -hmm. Some products are zero waste because they're made out of glass and can be recycled, but other ones aren't necessarily zero waste, but they're still eco-friendly and they're still made sustainably. So that's why we created these um, six different values that you can find um, on our website and find more of a description on them. Um, but that's how we categorize each and every one of our products. So as you um, scroll through our site, each product page will have the icon of the values that it corresponds with. And every mm -hmm. single one on our site has at least one to two um, of our values that it relates to. So as you mentioned, you can search and if you think that eco-friendly um, is your value and that's the one that you hold near and dear to your heart, you can search through the whole eco-friendly collection and only purchase products that are eco-friendly or zero waste mm -hmm. or fair trade or purpose-driven. So uh, we want to make sure that, you know, everyone has different values that they um, hold dear to their heart. And mm -hmm. we want all of these important values to, um, you know, are applicable to each of our products, but uh, make it easier for people to be conscious consumers and, and shop for the values that they are finding most important to them. Did, did you feel like any one of these particular value like really stood out? Like, was it particularly easy to find, for example, women-made products over other, like maybe sustainable products or anything like that? Yeah. I mean, everything on our site um, needs to be created by women um, or by a brand that is 50% plus women owned. Mm. Um, so that's one of our biggest um, differentiators from um, any other platform or any other site that sells sustainable goods. So this mm -hmm. is something that we kind of um, struggle with when we're finding suppliers because sometimes we'll find an amazing supplier that's doing great things, but it's, um, you know, founded by um, a man and that's great and it's amazing that they're doing um, such good work, but mm -hmm. we're holding um, true to to our value prop and that we only um, source products that are made by women. So we've had to turn down um, quite a few suppliers because we want to stick to supporting women and have our platform be solely women-made products or women-owned brands. And are there any tips that you can give people that also want to work with smaller businesses? Because it sounds like it really is a very like time-consuming and intensive process because you have to come up with the proper, I guess, a way to vet all of your suppliers. And then, you know, what I'm thinking about is, for example, if I want to start a store also and I want to work with like a local business, how do I know that, you know, the supplier will continue to supply the product that, you know, I'm now putting on my website? What if I get my first order and then they call me and say, actually, we no longer produce that? You know, how do you like mitigate these risks? And, you know, what are some tips? Yeah. So actually, one thing I didn't mention is um, we actually run Salmon Lands as a drop shipping model. Um, so okay. we don't hold any stock. Um, the reason for this is to keep our costs lower, of course, and then also because we want to save um, on shipping. So obviously mm -hmm. with online businesses, um, the shipping is an environmental concern and we want to try to um, negate our environmental impact as much as possible. So with yeah. drop shipping, the product's only shipped once instead of twice. Um, so instead of it being shipped to us and then we ship it to our supplier, it's being shipped directly um, from the supplier to the customer. So mm -hmm. um, also with that, with every order that's placed on Salmon Lance, we plant a tree. So we have an organization that we partner with called trees.org. Um, so we mm -hmm. do that to even more offset the, the cost of shipping. And wow. um, so, yeah. So with <laughs> that, so cool. um, you know, we want to make sure that our suppliers have the product in stock and that, um, you know, we really need to make sure that everything goes to the customer, um, you know, in a great way. So on top of the, the vetting process, we ask them to relook at all of their shipping materials, make sure that everything is shipped um, using eco-friendly. We make recommendations um, for eco-friendly shipping suppliers that we work with um, and and help them, um, you know, improve their, their shipping um, boxes or paper or tape that they use to make sure that that's eco-friendly. So that's one thing that we do. Then we also include, um, you know, a branded insert that explains about Salmon Lance that are, we send to our suppliers and we get them to include as well. And we also ask them to set aside whatever inventory they feel comfortable setting aside for us, um, mm -hmm. so whether that's five items, whether that's 20, whether that's one, it really varies supplier to supplier and we're happy to accommodate and work with them, um, whatever that is. And that's kind of how we track inventory to make sure 
that they're not going to be sold out of an item when a customer purchases on salmon land. Um, mm-hmm. So that's how we kind of keep track of everything. Um, and then to your question about having to find and vet um, or <laughs> suppliers and if someone wanted to work with small businesses, I think it's really just making those conversations, making those connections, taking the 15 minutes to chat with them on the phone, have a list of questions of everything that you find important to you to really go through it with them, whether it's from um, eco-friendly packaging, whether it's from how they create their products, what are the materials that they use, where do they source everything from, and just talking to them and finding out, you know, what their story is and mm-hmm. um, if it aligns with, with what you want to carry forward. That's so cool. And it sounds like, um, you know, like in addition to having those conversations, maybe you needed some kind of a legal guidance so that, you know, when you actually formally have that relationship with your supplier, um, you, you know, things are still kind of like following and going the same way as you talked about in your conversation. So did you need it? any like legal consultation or like had to spend some time and potentially, you know, um, maybe money, like hiring a lawyer as you were working with your, all of your suppliers? Yeah, we didn't hire um, a lawyer, but we do have a um, quite extensive onboarding form that we send to each supplier uh, prior to them um, joining Salmonlands and becoming part of our community. So this onboarding form um, basically has a whole bunch of questions that they have to um, click and agree to and um, go through. And it's basically our online contract that mm-hmm. verifies that they're going to, um, you know, do everything that we discussed and make sure that everything's ethical um, in terms of shipping. It has all of our return policies, mm-hmm. um, you know, who's responsible for shipping costs, everything like that, that we've kind of discussed. We have this all in our onboarding form that we then save and then they have a copy of. So that's kind of our, our legal agreement um, that every supplier can like completes before they are officially a part of our community. Wow. And did this part, like, did you already think about this part and have it all kind of um, outlined when you were writing your business plan or this was kind of like somewhat of a learning process where you feel like you need to have this much structure and kind of, you know, be this much, this prepared when you're working with suppliers? Yeah, this is definitely um, something that came up along the way once we started onboarding suppliers. We needed a simple way to kind of gather all the information instead of sending emails that Mm -hmm. people would just kind of half respond to. It was really easy to just have this online form. So, you know, certain sections of the form, for example, have like upload a high-res image of the company logo or of the founders. And then that way we just have everything there and it's easier for us, it's easier for them. Um, So, yeah, this came in part of a, a need versus um, something that we had thought of previously in the business plan. So I want to go back to when you first decided to start this whole journey, did you tell anyone like in your family, did you tell any of your friends? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> so when I started it, when I was really building the website, I, I told my family, so I told um, Veronica and then my parents, my family's really close. It's just the, the four of us. Um, and actually, the, the company I named it after my uh, mine and Veronica's two grandmothers. So Sam was my dad's mom. Um, she used to sign all of her cards and all of her um, embroideries, S-A-M, because it was her initials, Shirley Ann May. And then Lance was my mom's mom's name. And um, it was a nickname given to her from her brother when he came back from the war because he was a Lance corporal. So he kind of gave his name to her as as a nickname. So I named it after my two grandmothers and really told told my family about it, but I kept it within my family. I didn't tell any of my friends or any of the people close to me for about six months. Um, wow. I felt like I had yeah, some serious imposter syndrome going on. I was like, okay, I will tell everybody once my Instagram page has 500 more followers. I'll tell them once I make these tweaks on the homepage. And I just felt that it was never good enough. You know, as a perfectionist, I was just like, oh, no, I need to have 10 more suppliers before I can tell anybody because then it'll look like we're successful. So I really didn't mm-hmm. want to tell any of my friends, which was a big, obviously, shame and hindrance and something that I've rectified now. Um, but it really took a long time for me to, you know, tell people and be proud of what we were doing. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a really good question because it was something that, <laughs> Um, I I kept it to myself for a long time, um, which obviously mm-hmm. no one should ever do. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So um, at what point did you start telling people? I'd say um, like last November, 
So okay. it was a good solid like six months from um, our launch to even telling friends. And they're like, what? I didn't know that you were doing this for this long. And they were just, you know, like, why didn't you tell us earlier? And, um, it really was just um, not being confident in, in myself and that I was doing something that was great. And um, yeah. I see. And what, um, like, what, what made you feel comfortable telling people? Was it because you already made some sales or? or something like that? Yeah, I mean, we we made some sales, um, of course, throughout the uh, last six months of the, the company, but um, it was just kind of getting over my own fear of people mm-hmm. saying um, that that's not good or that, you know, you mm-hmm. shouldn't be doing that. It was just getting over my own hangups more so. Um, you know, the company, I think, was a success from when it started because we went and, and made the leap and created it. And whether it um, became, you know, wildly successful in the first year and made, you know, millions and millions of dollars versus not even five sales. It didn't matter. It was the fact that we, we did it was something that I should have been proud of, but instead I was waiting for that next milestone to, to tell people or that next, um, you know, hurdle to overcome in order to, to brag about something. So I think that mm-hmm. I was looking at it from the wrong metrics instead of just, you know, telling people and then, having them be champions for the brand and for having them, you know, tell their friends and, you know, tell and create that community of word, like that word of mouth community, which is something that um, obviously is so valuable, but I held off on talking about or creating until um, three months ago. (laughs) That's amazing. I feel like uh, we, I don't know about you, Angela, but I definitely feel that way too. I feel very nervous about telling people, um, cause we just started not long ago and I don't feel very confident, um, telling people yet. So I've told, I've told some people, but not a lot, not, not everybody. Um, and so I feel, I think, um, I understand what you're talking about, uh, when you said that, um, you had all these considerations and then, um, I think it's, um, I think with time it will I will change and like, and I think the longer I've been in it, the longer, the, the more I feel like, uh, yeah, I, you know, I should start telling people, but I think it's all just, I don't know. I think it's going to happen soon, but I understand the, the pain that you're going through. Yeah. I think so many people struggle with, with that. Mm-hmm. And it's something, I think, especially as women too, you know, we, mm-hmm. we find it hard to, to brag about ourselves or talk about our achievements or accomplishments, you know, when, when we should be saying, um, you know, about the last, great thing that you did or talk about something that your friend is doing that's amazing and we should really just be champions for each other and as well as ourselves which is such a struggle but so important that's absolutely true I think um you you guys actually really should be super proud of yourselves because I'm very impressed the fact that you guys have no funding to begin with and um you completely bootstrapped that sounds like up until now you still are completely just you know growing this all, all on your own without any funding from anyone that's amazing. And I think that's what scares a lot of people when they think about, or, you know, like people that want to kind of, um, start something on their own, they feel like, Oh, maybe I need like a bunch of money or I need to find funding. And then I need to talk to maybe investors. And then all of those things just sound super hard and scary. So they don't even start. Um, but yeah, it's amazing that you're able to do this all on your own right now. And I mean, I'm just curious, like, did you have to kind of dip into your own savings a little bit to get things started or are most things actually, for the most part, you are able to get started and just have a digital presence of everything and have all of those contracts and suppliers line up without a whole bunch of um, your own funding going into it? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that um, at the start, I put in a couple thousand of my own um, money because, you know, when we first started, there's just even simple things like, you know, paying for our domain or paying for our monthly yeah. Shopify account, um, things like that, that we just needed to pay for. Uh, Veronica's put in a bit of her own money as well. Um, but that's about it. I think that the biggest thing, like you said, people are scared to to start and to not have funding or to try to, um, you know, find investors or anything like that. However, there's a lot of things that you can do on your own. Um, but then there's also a lot of things that there's you know, paid versions of. So for example, Mm -hmm. you can pay hundreds of thousands of dollars for someone to create and manage your social media accounts, but you can also do it yourself. You know, same with um, creating a website, you know, you can pay again, hundreds of thousands of dollars to have someone do that for you and design it and develop it. And that would be great. And I'm sure it would look beautiful, but then you can also do it yourself. Um, There's also a lot of other 
um, platforms that you can use. Like there's, I can't remember the name of it, but there's one where you can exchange um, services. So let's say Mm -hmm. you're really great at um, doing X and then you can get a graphic designer to help you with that while you help them with something else. So there's a lot of other ways around it. Um, Asking friends and family um, for favors and just trying to do as much as you can with as little money as you can. And it's all possible. And there are going to be some times where you need to to spend money. So for example, um, we spend a lot of money on, or not a lot, but we spend money on our bookkeeper and our accountants Mm -hmm. because that's something that we can't really do ourselves. And we want to make sure that it's done (laughs) right? right and filing our taxes and all of that good stuff. So that's something that, um, you know, we've outsourced, but, you know, we do all of our social media ourselves. We do our entire website ourselves. Um, all of that type of stuff. We make sure that we, we keep, um, in house so that way we can spend, um, our money on other things, um, that are important or that would grow the business. So cool. And when it comes to working with your sister, how do you guys divide and conquer or you don't, do you guys try to do like, try to be a little more involved in everything or. You try different things. Uh, yeah, so we divide and conquer, and we have um, our separate set of um, responsibilities that are that play into our key strengths. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do, you know, help each other out in every way possible or every way that's needed. Um, we use mm-hmm. Slack um, for communication, so we have our Slack channel that we've also um, have other um, people on, as well as like we have interns. Sometimes we have. Um, other contractors. So we put everything into a Slack channel and that way we can kind of throw everything there that we need help with or questions on or advice on. Um, because we are a 13 hour time difference, it's really hard yeah. to, to get answers within the moment. So we just put everything mm-hmm. there and then it's easy to see what she's working on that she might need some help with, or um, I might need input on something that she can then answer me when she um, you know gets around to it in her working day. And then every mm-hmm. Tuesday morning, or my morning, her night, uh, we have our status call. So um, I think it's like nine o'clock or 8.30 in the morning for me and then 9.30 at night for her. And then that's the mm-hmm. time we just really connect face-to-face um, mm-hmm. and just kind of go over everything and our goals for the next week or month and, and set everything out that way. I like that. You, it sounds like, you know, even though you guys work for yourselves and then, you know, maybe like from home, but it, there's a lot of structure and then, you know, like definitely check-in points to, to, make, sh- to make sure that you guys are, you know, still moving along towards the same goal and, you know, keeping each other in sync. That's wonderful. Great tip for us. <laughs> yeah, I think it's really yeah. important to just set those things in the calendar just to make sure that you have that touch base because it's like you mentioned, it is hard, um, you know, sometimes working for yourself or getting mm-hmm. distracted or, you know, going down the rabbit hole, of which I know I do sometimes. I'll be like, oh, I just tweaked like 10 things <laughs> on the homepage and I'll send it to Veronica. And she's like, okay, that's yeah. great. But that's what we're focused on right now. <laughs> And how did you find your first clients or how did you make that first sale? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I'm trying to remember. I think <laughs> it was through Instagram. So I think, um, you know, we had posted, obviously we post a lot of our products on Instagram. So mm-hmm. I believe our first sale was either through that or if it was like our very first sale, it might have been like my mom supporting us. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And then from there, did you like do anything like anything like um, paid advertising or anything like that? Or is it mostly word of mouth or friends and family? Yeah, so friends and family, word of mouth, of course. Um, We did do um, quite a bit of Instagram ads and Facebook ads last year. Um, They Mm -hmm. didn't give us the the return that we were hoping for. Um, So Mm -hmm. this year, we're going to be focusing a lot more on um, partnerships with uh, sustainable or women-focused influencers. And mm-hmm. uh, really get out into the community more, do a lot more um, talks or, um, you know, partnerships and uh, focus on that instead of just being online. So it's more about the talking and not hiding behind a screen and telling people about your story and something mm-hmm. uh, like I mentioned before that I struggled with and really overcoming that this year and, and getting out into the community more instead of just, um, you know, focusing on online ads or, or Instagram. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. When did you start? So um, I'm assuming you sound more like me where I'm not very comfortable with showing my faces and, you know, to the public and just things like that. And at what point did you start to feel more comfortable doing that? Yeah, I think that was around um, November, December um, of 2019, so last year. And I don't know what the shift was. I think it was just more 
you know, working on myself and, and personal development and um, having the confidence to to talk about what I'm doing and talk about the, you know, the great women and the great brands that, that we're supporting. And, you know, it's something to be proud of and it's something to, to really, you know, have a sense of pride and tell people this story and tell people the stories of the, the, the products and the, the purpose behind um, our company. But um, yeah, I think I was just really having the confidence to, to do that. Um, and start small, like started with really close friends and then started mm-hmm. to, um, you know, networking events and talking to those people. So just kind of starting where you're comfortable and then, and then moving to, to maybe scarier, uh, conversations. What is it like working with your sister? Yeah, I think it's, it's, I think it's great. <laughs> no, um, no, it's really fantastic. I think that, you know, we are, so close um we're close in age we're 18 months apart I think um so even though we're so so close um we're such close friends we're so close in age we are very different and we have very different personalities and I think that's um for us one of our biggest strengths is that you know she is um you know much better at a lot of things than I am um and she really kind of rounds out um everything that I'm lacking so I think that it's a really great partnership in that way and then also that we're not afraid to to tell each other the truth so you know mm-hmm. I might say something and she'll be like actually no that's that's not a great idea did you think of it from this way so mm-hmm. you know we're not scared to tell each other um you know how we feel or or what our thoughts are so I think that that's really powerful because you could have a business partnership where you know you're tiptoeing around each other and then you know that's not great for the the overall health of the company so I think that being mm-hmm. able to be really honest with each other and really trust each other um mm-hmm. is something that I think makes our, our business partnership so strong. So um, what are some so, things that you primarily take over and do? And then what are some things that you kind of just pass it on to your sister because she's better at them? <laughs> yeah. So, um, because of my, I think because of my background in fine arts, I'm much more visual, um, and she's mm-hmm. much more copy heavy. So for example, for Instagram, um, or any of our, our social content, I'll create all the visuals. Um, and then she's the one who'll write the copy. Um, in terms of supplier um, supplier onboarding and reaching out to suppliers, um, she um, will do all of the upload onto the website and make sure that everything is perfect and all of the the copy and um, you know the story is told there. And I'll do all of the outreach and I'll talk to everybody and and make those relationships. And then once we have all the information, I'll pass it along to her and then she'll do the full um, you know upload and um, posting of the the products and the story. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, even though it's kind of the same, um, vein of the company and the company task, we even like subdivide those in terms of, um, where our strengths are and what we're, what we're good at and, um, how we can support the other person and in their strengths. And what are some resources that, you know, you think helped you the most when you were initially trying to start the company and to learn about a bunch of different things? And then what are some resources that continue to help you, you know, stay current and be updated on all the, you know, new things that are being discovered nowadays? Yeah, I think just, um, you know, following different um, accounts or companies or, um, you know, people that are within the space is something that has really helped us. Um, So whether it's, let's say someone on Instagram who supports um, a sustainable lifestyle and they might post about certain things that um, are important to them. And then that really helps mm-hmm. us with our, our customer, um, almost like customer market research that's going on continuously. continuously. Um, so that way we can find out about what people are looking for, um, you know, what's important to them, um, you know, where the trends are and um, where everything's moving because everything is shifting so quickly, especially in this environment. There's so many new mm-hmm. that are coming out. So just really keeping our finger on the pulse and knowing what's happening um, mm-hmm. is something that I think has been really, really helpful to us. Um, mm-hmm. Like subscribing to different newsletters from other um, sources that, that give tips on, um, you know, sustainable businesses or, um, you know, women empowerment. All of those are, are things that have really helped with our business and give us a, a strong foundation um, of mm-hmm. where, where we're at. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in terms of tools, because we're so, um, you know, we're all online and we're all digital. I think that just having little things um, to help each other, as I mentioned, Slack 
because she's in Singapore and I'm in Toronto. And then anyone else that we bring on, it's really easy to have everything there. We have a shared, um, you know, to-do list. Uh, that way we can assign different tasks to each other. Uh, we use later.com for um, Instagram scheduling. Again, that's easy way for me to pull in all of the imagery and for her to just add the copy and then we can schedule it and forget about mm-hmm. it. So um, just finding different online tools that really help your productivity. So that way you can work um, smart and not hard and uh, mm-hmm. you know set yourself up for success. Wonderful. Um, I like that you mentioned, you know, like imposter syndrome and then, but also you'd also talked about women empowerment. What are some things that you can share with, you know, women specifically, I guess, that um, are thinking about starting something of their own, but they don't really know how, or they don't know where to start and they don't have the confidence to. Yeah, I think that it depends on the city, but um, I know, especially in Toronto and I'm sure worldwide, there's so many amazing, uh, like women focused events, like mm-hmm. literally just Google on Facebook or meetup.com or, um, you know, Eventbrite. There's so many, um, and a lot of times free events um, that support women. And if you go and just find those communities in whatever city you're in, um, you know, you can tell them your story and tell them, I know what you're looking to get into, what you're looking to start. um, And guaranteed, you'll meet people that are interested uh, in the same thing. And you can Mm -hmm. can grow that community and get some some advice or some insight and and make those face-to-face connections, which um, are so important. Wonderful. I love that tip. What do you think your next career could be? Like if you were to change again, what do you think? Do you think, first of all, do you think you you would ever do something different than this? And if you, if you see yourself potentially doing something different from this or expanding to different areas of, or online, the online, in the online space, what do you think that could look like? Yeah, I think that I definitely um, love being an entrepreneur, having the flexibility, having the, um, you know, creative control over making things um, and, and creating a company the way that I I want to. So I think that if I were to ever, um, you know, switch or, or go away from Sam and Lance, I'd still be doing something online, something founded by me and something within sustainability and <laughs> women supported. So um, it would definitely be in the same vein, but I'm not sure what it would look like, but I, I absolutely love um, what I'm doing and what Veronica and I have, have built. Um, so yeah, just growing this and, um, you know, taking over the world. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for answering all of our questions. Um, our last one is where could people find you guys online? Yeah. So um, our online platform is samandlance.com. That's S-A-M-A-N-D-L-A-N-C-E.com. And then on social, it's at Sam dot and dot Lance. Um, that's for both Instagram as well as Facebook. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was wonderful talking to you. Thank Thanks you so, so much. much. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. You just finished listening to an episode of the Working Progress podcast. If you like this episode, make sure you share this with someone who can benefit from it and leave us a review on iTunes. Don't forget to let us know what you think or if you have any questions. You can find our contact information in the episode description. Keep doing the good work and I look forward to speaking with you soon.